Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up Rockabilly track. Now unveiling the next two phases of ANS. Preparing updates on movies, TV, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we're covering all the big Marvel and DC news coming out of San Diego Comic-Con. Plus, we're also reviewing Jordan Peele's Nope and Netflix's Gray Man. Also with Vince McMahon gone, who's in charge of WWE. All right, but before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning potential spoilers for upcoming films and shows ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. Well, after a couple years off due to the pandemic, San Diego Comic-Con was officially back, and my god, it did not disappoint with tons of news and stories breaking during the weekend, especially on the MCU side of things. With them not only giving us a trailer for the official endpoint now of Phase 4, which is Wakanda Forever coming in November, but also giving us a roadmap to both Phase 5 and 6. Uh, it definitely felt like they wanted to answer all those critics writing articles saying the MCU lacks direction uh-huh. so with that being said let's go ahead and jump right into it so to start off with the projects we're getting for marvel's phase five we have ant-man and the wasp quantumanium hitting theaters february 17th 2023 being directed by peyton reed with of course paul rudd and evangeline Lilly returning for their roles along with newcomer katherine newton who will be taking on the role of cassie lang and while we know jonathan majors will return as kang in this film modok is also set to make their MCU live action debut as well. So they did actually show footage uh, for the film during Hall H, but we're not going to break down footage that we didn't see, obviously. Uh, but it was confirmed that Bill Murray is also starring in the film in an unnamed role. We also got some concept art that I believe leaked that shows Cassie all suited up in a, a purple version of the Ant-Man gear. Apparently it was noted during the footage there seems to be some friction between uh cassie and her father my guess is due to the fact that you know he basically missed her growing up well that and he probably doesn't want her you know risking her life <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i'm sure that's part of it it also sounds like that scott is now dealing with some fame uh, i know during miss marvel uh, you know, it was talked about how he has a podcast that was a huge uh-huh. hit, and we did see a lot of Ant-Man, like, uh, merch during the Avenger Con, which I was kind of surprised by. <laughs> so it now looks like Ant-Man's a pretty big deal in the MCU, at least in the public eye. As deserved, you know? Well, it might be easy to kind of dismiss this as another, like, Ant-Man sequel. I mean, Quantumania is going to be a pretty fucking big deal, because it's not only, like leading off like this new phase of you know marvel but i mean it's starring the main villain of this whole like what do they coin it christian the multiverse saga yes yeah and foggy's come out and said that kang is like the big bad of the whole saga which i have my doubts about but we'll talk about that later (laughs) 
Um, so, I mean, this is going to be a pretty big movie. Yeah, I definitely got my eye on it, especially I'm curious because, I mean, Jonathan Majors is definitely going to have to play different versions of Kang. And I think he's going to pop up in different ways throughout these different movies and projects. I think they're going to do that. Well, we do know from the footage, once again, I said we weren't going to break down the footage, but I'm totally breaking down the footage, that Jonathan Majors does seem to be playing the Kang version of his character because he, he makes mention of conquering. So it's a little mod at least. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see if like most of the film takes place in the quantum realm though. Um, Cause that's the, you know, the gist I got from the initial reports, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Next coming to Disney plus in spring is secret invasion. Returning in this series, Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill, along with Sam Jackson's Nick Fury and Ben Middleton's Talos will be joined by Amelia Clark, Reggie Jean Page and Olivia Coleman, who will reportedly play Union Jack in this series. Feige went on to describe the show as a political conspiracy theory and Smulders doubled down on that, saying that this will be a much darker show so i'm excited for this uh i guess from the footage that they showed during hall h uh people were saying that they got strong like winter soldier vibes uh and that it was like a darker version of the mcu which i was definitely surprised to hear especially what we've seen of the scrolls so far hasn't been you know it's been more for laughs than anything else and i was so i'm i'm interested to see more now going forward with that also you know they keep uh not to get into the footage or anything like that, but you know, people are talking about, of course, you know, more superpowered beings existing in this universe. And I'm wondering, you know, what route they're taking. Is it going to be, you know, just more people gaining powers like the Inhumans did or what? Yeah, that's the gist I got was that it was, you know, humans gaining powers in the MCU, which makes it feel like they're teasing, you know, more mutants. Um, which I wouldn't be surprised by at all. Also, during the footage that they showed, uh, there was quite a bit of friction between Hill and Nick Fury. So it'll be interesting to see how that exactly comes into play because they've been, you know, buddy-buddy. I mean, pretty much Hill's, you know, Fury's right-hand man. So uh, that I thought that was interesting. I'm really curious to see, like, how this series really plays into the grand scheme of things you know, uh, you know, for the MCU, because at least in the comics, you know, secret invasion really has nothing to do with, you know, the King storyline. So I, I just want to see how that all like ties mm. in to the main scope of things. Uh, did they, they didn't announce Chloe Bennett as being part of the cast, right? No, no word of Chloe Bennett yet, but coming you know. back as uh quick. Uh, I, I'm wondering if they save something like that for uh, D23. Oh yeah. Yeah. With all the information they dropped though, like we're going into it like last weekend we're saying oh they'll probably show us you know you know some footage from wakanda forever and maybe some she hulk which we did get but uh, i had no idea they're gonna drop the rest of this on us like basically mapping out all of the next two phases pretty fucking crazy they brought the big guns which i mean i'm not gonna complain but holy shit <laughs> Well, it just makes you wonder what else do they have to give us at T23 at this right? point. I got to guess we're going to probably get some more trailers. Uh -huh. And they're probably going to like fill in some of those blanks uh, on the Phase 6 timeline. Going to give you that classic sizzle reel. Yep. Coming to theaters May 5th is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Director James Gunn is said to be finishing his story with this next installment, claiming there will be a heavy focus on Rocket Raccoon's backstory, while Peter Quill is trying to, you know, reignite his his relationship with Gamora, even though this version of her does not know who he is. New to Guardian, 
Legends Shakuti Uwuji from Peacemaker has been confirmed as High Evolutionary as he actually came out in full costume. Plus, we also know that Adam Warlock will be appearing and he's being played by Will Porter. So from what they're saying, I guess the reason why they didn't release this footage uh, was because there's a lot of unfinished like effects work still. Oh, okay. Uh, which is fine. I'd rather have them not release the footage mm. then, honestly. So because people will be picking it apart then. Uh, but a lot of people are saying that they were surprised on like how emotional this little teaser was, uh, you know, and there was like a finality, you know, to everything. We know this is supposed to be James Gunn's last Guardian film. So we'll see if Marvel chooses to keep, you know, this team together or if we'll eventually get like a new iteration of it. Uh, but I can't I can't fathom marvel not doing another guardians film like down the line even if it's with different characters i mean they'll surely show up in other projects other than the avengers as well like you know i imagine this is not the last time we'll see the team and we know before this even drops we've got the christmas special coming out this year yes <laughs> which is crazy Coming to Disney Plus in the summer of 2023 is Echo, a spinoff of Marvel's Hawkeye with Maya Lopez reprising her role as Echo. Um, we've talked at length about the you know rumors coming to this series in past episodes and how it may actually kick off the return slash start of the Defenders with Daredevil and Kingpin both being involved with this show. And now we know with seeing the second trailer for She-Hulk that we're going to see Daredevil even before this show drops because, you know, he makes an appearance at the end of that. Pretty crazy. Daredevil's just popping up everywhere now. Everywhere. <laughs> Speaking of series, Loki season two is also coming summer of 2023. Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead from uh, Moon Knight will be taking over directing for this season, along with a new head writer in Eric Martin. Most of season one's cast is returning to their roles with Loki actor Tom Hilson stating that his character will most likely still be searching for Sylvie, especially after what happened at the end of season one. And Renslayer actress Mabatha Raw claims she's excited to go to darker places with her character in season two. Yo, in re-watching the first season of Loki, it really struck me like how small of a show it really is. Like they don't go many places. So, and I think it was due to like the pandemic, you know, so they were limited what they could do. So I'm hoping that, you know, with the second season, they really broaden, you know, the show and we get to see a lot of these different like multiverses and everything like that. Like we got a little taste, but they, you know, it, it really felt like you're on a studio lot the entire time. I'm really looking forward to see where they take us story wise. Like, do you think we eventually get an appearance by like a Thor, regardless of it being played by Chris Hemsworth? Oh, like a variant of Thor. They could do that. Why not? Right. I didn't even think about that, but I, I figured just bring him in. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Um, I figure if we do see them reunite, that's going to be in a big screen, you know, feature rather than on Disney Plus. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's the feeling I get also that that's going to uh -huh. be a big deal. Um, although, I mean, this is a variant of Loki. So maybe, you know, that moment won't be as touching as you would think it would be. So, uh, but only time will tell. You know, I was a really big fan of the first season. So I am, you know, I, I do wish there was the same team at least working on it, but I, I loved Moon Knight. So I, I can't say that I'm not excited to see their vision for whatever Loki season two would be. No, I, I do agree. And they definitely know how to stretch a series. I mean, look mm -hmm. at all the different locations they went with, you know, Moon Knight. I'm really curious to see too, like how much we get into like the Kang of everything. 
Like, is Jonathan Majors going to be a huge part of this show, or is he just going to be kind of like looming over the entire series? My speculation is that they probably are trying to do something a little different than what they did with Thanos. Like, rather than having this threat out there doing its own thing, maybe they're trying to give us a little bit more glimpses this time around. You know, he's doing wild things that are affecting the timeline, and that's what this season could possibly be about. You know, them trying to find it. The finale was basically the Jonathan Majors show. If you think exactly. about it, so mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have a major part in this. No pun intended. That's awful. Sorry. There was also, of course, the Marvels coming out July 28th. No real updates for this one. We already know that Nia DaCosta is on to direct and will star Brie Larson, Tiana Paris and Iman Vellani as our three Marvels. In the fall, things get spooky with Blade releasing November 3rd, 2023. Being directed by Bassam Tarek and starring Mahershala Ali, Blade will begin filming this October, as Feige stated this past week. But little details are known beyond that. Yes, and I do believe they're actually shooting on the project now. I think they just started shooting on it. So um, hopefully we'll be getting some kind of like footage or, you know, behind the scenes look, you know, sooner than later. Also coming in fall is Ironheart to Disney+. Plus. For those unaware, Dominique Thorne will be playing Riri Williams and making her live action debut in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The show will be directed by Sam Bailey and Angela Barnes, with Proximity, Ryan Coogler's production company, set to produce. And we also know that Ryan Coogler's uh, production company is going to be doing another Wakanda series, but that wasn't announced yet. Okay. So I'm wondering if that's actually part of Phase 6. Coming winter of 2023 is Agatha Coven of Chaos. The previously named House of Harkness show is a spin off from WandaVision featuring Katherine Hahn's character Agatha Harkness after Wanda put a spell on her. WandaVision head writer Jock Schaefer returns to this series and will also be on as executive producer. But Damon, are you happy they changed the name? What was it called before? Oh, House of Agatha, Harkness. House of Harkness, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind it, I don't know. With them changing it to Coven of Chaos, I mean, does... Does that allude to more witches then being a part of this series? That's what I was thinking. Like maybe it is a prequel to her story and everything. Because hmm. um, I mean, I was initially assuming that we were going to get a continuation of her story. Um, you know, after we saw her in WandaVision, um, like her trying to break, you know, Wanda's spell. But you know, maybe we get her history in her past. We know that, you know, she's been alive for a very long time. So there's a lot of story to really dive into. Kicking off the blockbusters for 2024 is Captain America New World Order on May 3rd. Lead on the project is Julius Ona, um, who worked on Cloverfield Paradox and will be joined by Malcolm Spellman and Delon Musan from Falcon and the Winter Soldier as writers. And of course, Sam Wilson will be played by Anthony Mackie along with the return of the power broker Sharon Carter as played by Emily Van Camp. And they didn't mention uh, Sebastian Stan coming back or anything? No. I mean, technically, they didn't even mention Emily Van Camp, but the posters seen around STCC had her on it. Oh, interesting. And it was an actual, like, official poster? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, the way that the series ended, it looked like her storyline was going to be, like, the next chapter, you know, of whatever they chose to do with Sam. Mm -hmm. Um... But I am kind of surprised that she would be like a big focus of the film, uh, especially with, you know, the lack of popularity <laughs> for that storyline, at least for, I guess, the heel turn of Sharon. So I will say like the New World Order title, I don't know, it gives me strong like Hydra vibes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if like Hydra is about to reemerge. Uh, 
or I guess it could be a brand new threat. Do you think that we also get like some breadcrumbs for, you know, the Thunderbolts film that's coming out? Because, I mean, that was a big part, too, of the first season of, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I could definitely see it playing into Thunderbolts for sure. Like, especially I could definitely see Sam going up against them once ever that movie comes out, him being an antagonist for that group. Yeah, you got to think that Fontaine is going to make an appearance, you know, whether it's Mm -hmm. recruiting or whatever. She's definitely going to be lurking in the background. As far as the New World Order goes, I'm thinking, you know, maybe it's Sam going up against a new version of like the underground in the system where, you know, Sharon is teamed up with a bunch of other people. I'm assuming Sharon won't be the main bad. I'm with you there. But maybe we can see the returns of characters like Shang-Chi's sister or something like that. Other big organizations all kind of working together in this new world. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised, too, if uh, Zemo's not involved. Exactly. On Disney Plus is the new series Daredevil Born Again coming spring 2024. This 18-episode series brings hell back to Hell's Kitchen with Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio back in their roles of Daredevil and Kingpin. Holy crap, 18 episodes. (laughs) We're getting our wish and then some. That's as long as like three different, like separate individual, like Marvel series. Exactly. Because right? <laughs> like typically now they've all been like six episodes long. Mm-hmm. My God. I mean, they break really, the mold. Yes. I mean, holy shit. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm surprised with the born again uh, title, though, because they really kind of tackled that in season three of the Netflix series. I mean, it wasn't a complete retelling of the story or anything. But they definitely dive deep into like some of its stronger themes. Uh, if you don't know, we're talking about Frank Miller's Born Again, uh, which is one of like Daredevil's like most popular and critically acclaimed comics of all time. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, I definitely recommend picking it up. So while I would love to see that like book play out on the small screen, I can't imagine that they're gonna like retread things that might have happened in season three of Daredevil already. So I'm really looking forward to see exactly what kind of story we get, especially with 18 episodes. That's all. I mean, that's like a regular season of like network TV. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking crazy. I mean, I won't be surprised if they're just using the Born Again title as a clever, you know, way to be like, oh, we're, you know, that's dangerous, though, for comic book nerds. Like you're setting our expectations really fucking high because that's a (laughs) huge comic book arc for the character. So like for them to name it that, I mean, you better have one hell of a story. But how I mean, more Daredevil, the better. No, yeah, I absolutely loved this announcement until I realized I would have to, you know, break down 18 episodes. But I'm still going to do it. I love Daredevil. I'm excited for more Charlie Cox. I'm wondering if they bring back the actors who played Karen Page and Foggy. Um, you know, I mean, the the original Born Again comic has a lot to do with Karen Page. So, I don't know. I mean, it'll be, I mean, she's a great actress, so why not? I, I guess she was dealing with some like hardship where like people weren't hiring her or something after the show okay yeah there was a huge article about it's crazy i was like why would that be like is it just like typecasting or something because i thought she was pretty damn good in the show Mm -hmm. she's good in this and in um true blood i i I thought deran will would be picked up by more people by now but who knows Yeah, typecasting would just be weird because it's not like there's tons of like karen page like characters out there so i don't know i don't get it 
Feige then gave us our final movie for Phase 5 being Thunderbolts coming July 26. Very little official details are out on this, but there have been plenty of rumors we've reported on in the past, like Deadline's report on Jake Schreier being on to direct. So I don't know if it was during Hall H, but at some point during the weekend, Kevin Feige mentioned that along with familiar faces, we'd also be seeing characters that we've never seen before in the MCU. So that's pretty exciting. So if I was trying to connect the dots, though, yeah, we've speculated about the team in the past, so I'm mm. not going to do that here now. But story wise, I'm wondering if the Secret Invasion story is going to tie into the Thunderbolt story. Just because in the original Secret Invasion uh, comic book, it's Norman Osborn and his group of Thunderbolts that take down uh, the scrolls. So, oh, okay. and are like heralded as heroes at the end of the day. At least I believe that's what happened in the comics. Uh, that basically elevates Norman Osborn's status uh, in the MCU. Uh, the government gives him like full control, I believe, of S.H.I.E.L.D. He changes the name, I believe, to Hammer. Um, and then he changes his Thunderbolts team into the Avengers. And he disguises a lot of those villains as former Avengers. Like you have Bullseye running around as Hawkeye in full Hawkeye getup. Uh, you have um, Venom disguised as Spider-Man. Uh, so it was, it, you know, the book was called Dark Avengers. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't think Norman Osborn is going to be involved at all in this. I mean, and I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but... I could see maybe like, you know, Fontaine's team yeah. being the ones who end up taking down the scrolls and like maybe that's where they're going with all of this. Because if oh, you yeah. look at it during this phase, you have the Secret Invasion, you know, series, then you have the Captain America movie and then you have the Thunderbolts movie to end it all. So I'm wondering if those are all, you know, connected in some way yeah build up your baddie and secret invasion and then have them you know come in to save in their film that would be an interesting way to do yeah, it and i could see them building up the thunderbolts throughout you know this mm. whole phase too where we get more glimpses of the team being put together just so many moving parts right now the mcu that's insane you know the things that they're trying to build is just it, unfathomable it just <laughs> feels like these phases are so short compared to mm -hmm. like the past phases right um, but I guess now they have so much content that they can tell their stories even quicker. I mean, you think before they really only had two to three movies a year. Now mm. they have, you know, at least three films a year, if not four, and then multiple series. So while calendar wise, it might seem like these phases are shorter. If you actually like add up all the hours of content that we're getting throughout the phase, it's probably actually quite longer. Because you gotta figure each one of those shows, even if they're only six episodes, they're an hour long. Mm-hmm. So the story really shouldn't suffer due to lack of time. This brings us to phase six, which will feature another big Marvel team up with the Fantastic Four coming November 8th, 2024. Still, there was no confirmed director or cast, but I still believe we'll hear something out of D23. So, I mean, didn't we originally hear that Fantastic Four was actually going to be part of phase four? I feel like that's what they were talking about back or maybe like, that was way back. Maybe that was just a rumor, I guess. Probably. So it's hard to keep everything straight nowadays. It really uh -huh. is. Uh, I'm excited they at least gave us a date. Uh, I'm with you. I feel like we're going to get a cast announcement sooner than later. 
I don't know if you saw this, Christian, but there was that story out there that Kevin Feige and Marvel actually did reach out to Steven Spielberg uh, to direct the Fantastic Four, which surprisingly enough was something I was lobbying for, what, like, you know, a month ago. So do you think Feige is uh-huh. actually listening to the show? Right. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I feel like it's a matter of time till we see him up on the stage with an amazing nerd show shirt, you know? <laughs> or I'm walking on the stage replacing Kevin Foggy, and he's like <laughs> passing the torch to me as I'm now the producer of the MCU. Nobody wants that, David. <laughs> <laughs> My bank account does. <laughs> But I mean, I would love to see them get Steven Spielberg still, not just for gloating rights, but, you know, just because I feel like he'd be the perfect director for the Fantastic Four. But I doubt that's going to happen. Also, no mention of Jason Siegel possibly uh, popping up as the thing. Mm-hmm. It was rumored to be in She-Hulk, so I mean, it wasn't in the trailer, so we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll find out soon enough, right? She-Hulk comes out at the, what, in a couple weeks? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think mid-August. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And then we were hit with not one, but two Avengers films slated for 2025, with the first being Avengers The Kang Dynasty coming May 2nd, and then Avengers Secret Wars coming November 7th. While Shang-Chi director Destin Daniel Cretton is set to direct um, Avengers The Kang Dynasty, there's still no word on who will be directing Avengers Secret Wars. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty much all the details we got, but holy mm-hmm. shit, two Avenger films? in one year yeah <laughs> i remember when they announced infinity war and endgame being like a year apart and i thought that was like too much of an undertaking for them and i was really concerned but now i mean, apparently we're doing two avenger films in one year i mean holy shit i guess in an interview uh kevin Feige was talking about how a lot of people were taken aback that there wasn't like an Avengers film at the end of each phase. But he was saying, and I'm paraphrasing, that he now sees the Avengers film as like the end of a saga. So now they'll even have a bigger event type feel to them. But regardless, I'm super excited for both of these movies. Um, I'm guessing that the events of, you know, Kang Dynasty is going to lead to secret wars in a big way. That's all going to tie together. Uh, I know that Faki's been out there saying that, you know, Kang is the big bad, but I still don't buy that. I'm sure he's one of the big bads, but I feel like we're going to get an appearance by Dr. Doom here, especially since we're going the Hickman Secret War route, which we have proof of with, you know, the incursions popping up in Multiverse of Badness and everything. We've talked about it in the past, but in the comics, it's Doom who basically saves all the multiverses. But then at the same time, names himself like Emperor God King and puts what he can into like this battle planet that he, you know, rules over. So um, I could see them maybe like, you know, debuting Doom, you know, especially since we know the the Fantastic Four film. So I'm going to guess that we're probably going to see Doom somewhere during, you know, phase five and six before the Fantastic Four film, just to kind of set him up as a character, Um, especially since the Fantastic Four film doesn't come out until the beginning of Phase 6. I think we'll see him, though, before that. 
um you know in what capacity i have no idea you know maybe it's just like clues or little cameos or a brief mention uh but i, I feel like they're going to be setting him up for big things and him actually being the big bad of you know this you know multiverse saga at the at the end of the day oh i totally picture like a lesser evil situation where it's like we have to turn to doom to solve whatever kang is doing to the multiverse and the dynasty and that's what you know, goes into Secret well, Wars. they'll turn to him, but then he'll swerve them and make himself, yes. you know, exactly. <laughs> God, pretty much. <laughs> and that might all be wishful thinking. That's just pure speculation. Uh-huh. But I sure do hope that comes true because, I mean, we've both been talking about our love for Dr. Doom since the inception of this podcast. So I'm just thrilled that we're going to be finally getting to see him in the MCU. So with that being said, Christian, who do you think makes up this new Avengers team? Like, do you think mm. it's going to be like an official team or is it going to be like a hodgepodge of all the heroes that we've seen uh, during the last three phases? I think they'll do the official team route for the Kang dynasty. And then with Secret Wars probably being the bigger story, they'll probably then do like, oh, it's all the heroes you've seen so far. Uh, but I don't know exactly who would be on that team. I feel like it'll be definitely um, Captain Marvel. Uh, I feel like Shang-Chi will make the the, uh, the list this time around. Um, obviously, Sam. Yeah. Uh, but then maybe a couple of the bigger, like maybe just the movie, you know, heroes for the actual team. And then maybe the um, TV shows all make it to uh, Secret Wars. I don't know. I could see like Miss Marvel and She-Hulk you know, being part of the team also. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all by that. I mean, we know in the comics, they both have been Avengers in the past, so it does make sense. Um, maybe Hawkeye with, you know, Kate at his side, you know, joining up with the team. I think we probably will get Thor also, just because I feel like Loki's going to be a part of the story. So I you definitely have to have that beat, right? You have mm. to have that moment where Loki yeah, exactly. and Thor meet up. And if that's not going to take place during the Loki series, then it needs to be in the Avengers, you know, movie. So, um, but yeah, otherwise, I'm not sure. Um, maybe we see Blade. Um, he is currently part of the Avengers, I believe, in Aaron's run, or he was in Aaron's run. Um, but if he's not part of the team, I mean, maybe he makes an appearance and he's like part of the story at least so i feel like he'll definitely be part of the secret wars movie no that's definitely all hands on deck yeah i mean dr strange could we get dr strange oh well, when, where, when are we going to catch up with dr strange right he's off trying to fight an incursion right now on another realm so you got to figure that that story is going to play out somewhere or we get like the aftermath of that story at least exactly i almost felt like he was going to have another film before we got another avengers you know i thought we would see him dealing with whatever's going now, on now you say that but th- there's a lot of slots opened on that phase True. six timeline mm-hmm. so i feel like there's going to be more announcements at d23 or somewhere down the line i know they have like an investors call too like in the fall that they do where they like drop a bunch of shit usually a lot of you know yeah. announcements so i could see that happening um we've got no spider-man film right in you know phase five or six so maybe we get a spider-man film in there because yeah i figure they want spider-man to be part of the avengers film at least so if not in the king dynasty definitely in secret wars especially mm-hmm. like what a big role he played in the first secret wars storyline 
you know, the 80s Secret uh, Wars storyline. So, um, but yeah, I mean, sky's the limit, man. I mean, it's pretty fucking crazy. I mean, we'll be speculating to, you know, they eventually come out and we get confirmation, honestly. So, although <laughs> hopefully they sure up some of those leaks because now it's getting absolutely ridiculous. Like how many of those rumors are actually coming true now? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we had to put the spoiler warning at the top of the news now, just because so many of the rumors that we're reporting end up actually coming true. Yeah. Um, which that wasn't the case you know just a couple of years ago so with all that being said uh we can't look too far ahead because phase four isn't even over yet uh during the hall age panel we did get a she-hulk trailer and a trailer for wakanda forever so let's go ahead and talk the she-hulk trailer first since it comes out in just like two weeks uh we're not gonna do a full breakdown for either of these just because you know this is probably the longest news segment we've ever had in the history of the show. So, <laughs> so just straight reactions. More and more eccentric superhumans are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> we are going to launch a division for them. And I want the She-Hulk to be the face of it. Jennifer Waters. Namaste. I have a serious conflict of interest. This man tried to kill my cousin, Bruce. Yeah, that's quite all right. Oh. So right off the bat, I will say I enjoyed this trailer a lot more than the first trailer we got. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the CGI alone is 10 times better. I will say, though, like it did feel like something was off with their mouths, like when they were talking. Um, So I don't know if the, the sink is off or something like that. Um, there's just a couple scenes, like with the Hulk in particular, where it just felt like it was a little off or something. Hmm. Um, but I mean, they still have a couple weeks, I guess, to fine tune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it still looked a lot better than what we got previously. Um, but yeah, I mean, throughout the trailer, we saw a lot more like superhumans, uh, popping up. Uh, you know, we saw Wong who apparently needs a, a lawyer, um, I, for what reasons, I have no idea. We do know that he has a connection to Abomination. He popped up in Shang-Chi with him uh, during that whole Fight Club thing. Um, so I'm guessing that has something to do with that storyline. Abomination, you know, is featured big time in this uh, trailer. It looks like, you know, She-Hulk is you know defending him. We once again see Frogman uh, leaping away from a crime scene. I don't know if he's a criminal here or if he's actually playing the hero in the books. You know, he's a, a hero whose father was a criminal. So I'm guessing this is Frogman and not Leapfrog because that's his dad. Uh, uh-huh. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's Leapfrog um, and She-Hulk needs to defend him against something. So uh, we, we see the Matador who's in that little therapy group. It looks like She-Hulk is part of. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a superhero like therapy group, um, but he's next to some dude dressed up as a bull who I have no idea who that's supposed to be. Uh, Matador was part of, I I think he was part of Daredevil's rogue gallery, actually. So, um, who we also know pops up at the end of the Mm -hmm. trailer, which was a pretty big deal. He's wearing the classic, you know, red and yellow suit uh, from his first appearance. Uh, I was surprised that they spoiled that here in the trailer. 
Um, we heard rumors about him, you know, popping up and wearing that very suit like months ago. So it's not a huge surprise, but I don't know. It just, it felt like they would hold back on that and keep that a surprise, but maybe they wanted to like make sure they hooked people right away into watching the show. I mean, they clearly have a lot of faith in Daredevil right now to put him in this many projects and just to have him so blatantly out there. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much the MCU's new Nick Fury with the mouth uh-huh. he's like showing up <laughs> everywhere else. So um, I'm not going to complain, though. I guess I was just more expecting him to be Matt Murdock in this series. Um, and I'm sure we'll get that still since we know the series mm. takes place in a courtroom also. Um but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I was just thinking that we wouldn't see Daredevil maybe until his own series, but that's not the case. I really enjoy the aspects of Jennifer kind of being a, the better Hulk, you know, kind of grasping all of this compared to Bruce, how he's like, you're trying to teach her the ropes, but she's just getting it right away, able to throw rocks, able to center herself like it's nothing. Well, especially if Bruce Banner in the MCUs, anything like Bruce Banner in the comic books, we know that he's not like a natural athlete. So mm-hmm. maybe Jennifer is. <laughs> so she's just naturally more adapt to being a hero. Because, uh, yeah, they have like a yoga pose off or something, right? While they're training. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, the whole first part of this trailer is just them kind of training everything. But it seems like she's a quicker learner than Bruce ever was. I mean, she's able to just transform into the She-Hulk uh, in that courtroom at will. So, and that was definitely something Bruce had a hard time controlling, you know, at least at first. So it was actually confirmed also that those thugs we saw with, you know, the different weapons in the alley are actually mm-hmm. the wrecking crew. So okay. we'll see if we get a glimpse of some enhanced magical crowbar, <laughs> which is where the original wrecking crew got their power from. Um, they definitely don't look like their comic book counterparts at all. But I mean, maybe we eventually get there. Also, I was really happy to see, um, you know, She-Hulk being able to break the fourth wall. So, oh, yeah, yeah. They have mm-hmm. that moment where, you know, she's kind of berating Bruce and then she turns around and you know makes a comment to the viewers so she's a little surprised at first but i mean it's such a big aspect of john burns run on she hulk which is her most popular run at least i think um but i'm old so who knows maybe she's had more popular runs since then uh but i'm not surprised that they would want to bring it to the series also do you think those armed soldiers that we see uh during the whole like gala event it looks like that she's like arriving to could those possibly be damage control because they're carrying similar weapons. Yeah, that's a possibility, especially if she's not registered and under under anything and she's just out there superheroing. I, they they still have those laws, right? Like that's still I I in still place. haven't gotten confirmation <laughs> on that. So I have to we'll have to do some more research. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I don't know if those, you know, if that law lapsed. I don't know if the superhero registration act lapsed, you know, during the blip or what. I mean, I'm assuming that they'll address it and they'll come up in some shape or form since, you know, this is, you know, a show about a lawyer. So, you know, who represents superheroes, right? Or superhumans. So, Mm -hmm. so you got to think it comes up at some point. I don't know if this is simple storytelling, but my guess for Wong at this point right now is that he's just trying to get Abomination out legally for whatever he needs him for. Because, I mean, he is going on this whole speech about, you know, we're on the precipice of something bullshit. But it, I think it, he really is just trying to get Abomination out for his own gain. 
I, I mean, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. I hope not. Just because he's got a bad gambling habit or something. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. There's also a moment where we see like this magician. Right. And he's he seems to be using real magic. So I'm wondering if that is why Wong is like involved. If he's hmm. trying to stop this guy. Because you, you see Wong like fighting these like demon creatures on a stage. So I'm guessing those two moments, you know, go together. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do feel like Wong has something to do with Abomination, though. And we get yes. some sort of explanation on why, you know, Wong is involved with them in the first place. But I'm just hoping it's more than like Wong likes to play the poems. <laughs> it would work for a comedy, though. It would work for a comedy. I guess. <laughs> With all that being said, like after this trailer, I gotta say I'm twice as excited as I was before, you know, for the show. And luckily it's, you know, premiering what, August 17th, Christian? Yes, just a couple weeks from now, August 17th. On Disney Plus. I am queen of the most powerful nation in the world! And my entire family is gone! Have I not given everything? I don't know about you, Christian, but I am not ready for this movie. Like, I had a hard enough time making it through the fucking trailer. I'm going to be like that guy sitting by myself in the theater, ugly crying through this entire fucking film. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, you hit 40, man, and it's just waterworks. I don't don't think I'm going to be able to handle it, man. (laughs) Like, I can't wait for it to come on, like, you know, Disney Plus. Like, I'm going to have to see it opening weekend, but Jesus Uh Christ. It's going to be a rough watch. I mean, the trailer is so emotional. I mean, we see a nation, you know, Wakanda mourning the loss of, you know, T'Challa, you know, and all the people in his life, like how it's affecting them. We see a whole funeral procession on the streets of Wakanda. First of all, everything's breathtaking, as expected after what Ryan Coogler did in the first Black Panther film. Um, but the first part of this trailer is really watching, you know, the women in uh, T'Challa's life just mourning him. Um, and then, you know, we see the birth of Namor, uh, you know, in the ocean, of course. So, I mean, then we see a mother giving birth to a child, you know, in the ocean, uh, you know, who has winged feet. So it's obviously Namor. Then we see Namor rising out of the ocean. Uh the first mutant, as he's known in, you know, the Marvel comic books. Um, apparently, in the film, uh, Namor and his people are not going to be referred to as Atlanteans. Uh, I guess Marvel didn't want to cause any confusion with, you know, Aquaman. Since, you know, they're okay. also, you know, him and his like kingdom are known as mm-hmm. Atlanteans. So I, I don't know what the new name is going to be, if that's true. But I guess there is some marketing out there that denotes that they're not going to be called Atlanteans uh, going further, at least in the MCU. Uh, People of the sea. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they have better writers than that. Uh (laughs) Or we're in serious trouble. But anyway, moving on, it looks like somehow Wakanda and, you know, the Atlanteans, we're just going to call them the Atlanteans for now, uh, come to odds somehow. We do see them on some kind of like, I don't know, ship. 
and it looks like they're doing some kind of like scientific exploration, abyss style. They got the big like you know underwater suits and everything, um, and then it it seems like it's getting taken over by like soldiers and stuff. And I don't know if that's you know part of the Atlanteans or if that's like how they come into odds. But then after that, we get shots of the throne room flooding in Wakanda. Um, with Shuri, like, standing in the middle looking on. We hear a stirring speech by Angela Bassett. Um, it looks like she might be, like, addressing the UN or something. Um, it kind of cuts between her, like, on the throne and her, like, in front of, like, an assembly of some sort. But she's mm-hmm. giving the stirring speech about everything she sacrificed for Wakanda and how she's alone. And I was like, where's Shuri? Wait. Because he... <laughs> She, she does it like she says she's all alone, but she, like, are they spoiling something there or because I, I can't believe Shuri's gone, too, unless like that's taking place during the blip. Oh, that's possible. I didn't even think about that. I was thinking more of a scenario or maybe like Namor and them. Did you bump uh, up against that? Right? Her. Like, or, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe for some reason she thinks she's dead. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I did feel like it was an odd moment. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just God, man, they've got such great actors in this film. <laughs> we got multiple shots of uh, Lupita. Uh, what, what's her character's name? Niki- Nikita? Nakia. Nakia. Yeah. Nakia looking on. She actually opens up the trailer too. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know if I should be reading into anything with that. I mean, I know she plays a big part in Chichala's life, but I, I thought it was interesting mm. that they opened the trailer with her. Uh, you know, of course, Shuri. And then uh, we also see Okoye, who's leading the Dora Milaje. And we see a lot of the Dora Milaje in action. Definitely feels like they're at war at this point. Um, we see uh, Namora, who's uh, Namor's cousin. Um, we get a glimpse of Riri, um, you know, making her MCU debut. And then later, it looks like she's hammering out her suit, uh, which we talked about last week. Uh, has already been spoiled by, you know, some early toy previews. Uh, it's going to be, you know, very crude, like the original Iron Man uh, cave armor. Now, Christian, do you think Riri's from Wakanda in the MCU? Or do you think maybe they got her from that outreach program that they're starting at the end of Black Panther? I think it's going to be a tie-in front with the end of Black Panther with the outreach program. Okay. I think that would make more sense, at least to and me. And maybe like Shuri, like, you know, recognized her talent and brought her on board mm-hmm. to be part of, you know, the science team. Um, I mean, maybe it's like it's a she won a trip to Wakanda and then that's when Namor decided to attack. <laughs> it just happens to line I, up. Hey, why not? Right. Um, I mean, she's about to get her own series. So uh-huh. <laughs> we'll find out soon enough. Uh, but yeah. And then at the end, uh, speaking of suited up, uh, we see another Black Panther rise as uh, someone in what looks to be Killmonger's armor because it's got the gold trim. Uh, flashes their claws in the midst of battle. Um, now, I don't think it's Killmonger. Uh, my guess initially was Shuri, um, because we know what happens in the comics. You know, she mm. at one point does take over the mantle of Black Panther. But, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Christian? Do you think it's Shuri? Oh, I, I just know it's Shuri. I, I, don't, I don't think. Okay. It, it has to right. be. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It would be cool if it was uh, his mom, though. I feel like the only other person it could be would maybe be Nakia. That's the only other person I could see taking up the mantle other than Shuri, based off of what we've seen from these films. I could see that because they did lead the trailer off with her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, regardless, it, it does feel like she's going to play a big role, at least, in the film. 
Uh, we forgot to mention Baku, and Baku is running around there. It's definitely not in Baku, just by the body type. No. But <laughs> he also is, like, throughout this trailer and everything, so it seems like he's going to be a big part of the movie, which is exciting because I love that character. <laughs> so I'm sure he's going to be helping out in the war against the Atlanteans. As far as a Marvel teaser goes, I feel like this is the most we've ever seen shown off from a film before, like, getting, like, that big trailer. You got to figure, though, this is coming out in November. So I feel I think True. this is the big trailer, you know, we'll just probably be getting <laughs> like, you know, tr you know, a second trailer at some point like this isn't a teaser. This was like good, like two and a half minutes long. Mm -hmm. I mean, an amazing trailer, the music and everything. Holy shit. <laughs> this was really well done. Uh, probably one of the better trailers I've ever seen, you know, in recent memory. So like I've watched it at least 10 times at this point. I'm not going to lie. But no, I, I feel like because of the pandemic, the window for promoting these films have be, has become smaller where mm -hmm. previously before the pandemic we would see trailers or teasers dropped a year out and now it's like you know maybe four months maybe five months so and i don't know if that's just because they're still shooting things up to the wire because they're having to deal with you know regulations and everything due to the pandemic or tons of reshoots and everything um, but for right now, it feels like this, you know, this crop of movies this year have been, you know, dealing with shorter, you know, windows for promotion. I guess I'm just more surprised by the amount of stuff that was in the trailer. Like, I didn't expect to see Riri before the movie came out, like just based off of what we've gotten in the past. I don't know. Once I saw that she like was part of the toy lines and everything like that, it was like, OK, like and they already announced that she's part of mm -hmm. the film. So... You know, we didn't get her suited up, at least. You know, we see her, like, you know, cutting out an iron heart and it dropping on the ground. That's it. So they're saving that probably for, you know, the film. But, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. They announced her and we know she has a series coming out. I am excited that they, like, chose the Atlanteans as the, you know, antagonist, um, you know, for this film just because of, you know, the blood feud that they have in the comic books, you know, the two different nations, because um, it gets pretty fucking vicious because there's a point in the comics where Namor kills thousands of Wakanda citizens by flooding the nation. And then T'Challa goes eye for an eye and invades Atlantis, also murders a lot of innocent people. So it gets pretty fucking brutal. So I'm wondering just like how far they're going to take that war. But I guess we'll find out November 11th. All right. So before we move on to DC quickly, uh, Marvel did do an animation panel where they did announce the second season of What If will be premiering early 2023. Uh, and they also gave us our first look at uh, the X-Men 97, the sequel to the original 90s cartoon. Uh, we got to see Magneto. He's now the team leader. He's wearing the uh, Big M costume uh, from the 80s, which he wore when he actually did lead the team. It's pretty hideous, though. Um, and then uh, we, we get a look at some of the villains of the series. We see Mr. Sinister and some of the Hellfire Club, along with the Morlocks. And then we also got a look at the team, which is, you know, the original team from the animated series. They look exactly like they looked before, except for Storm seems to be rocking a shorter haircut. Also, though, it looks like the team roster is expanding. Uh, they gave us a shot of Cable, Bishop, Forge, Nightcrawler, Morph, and Sunspot. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, I remember one of my gripes with the show was like, you know, it was so unlike the comic books, like the X-Men team was always kind of a revolving door in the books, but mm, the team okay. roster in the cartoon series never really ever changed. Like, yeah, they had guest spots here and there, but like some of my favorite mutants, you know, were never regulars, you know, like Nightcrawler or, you know, Kitty Pride, which isn't on the team yet, but you know, maybe, maybe she debuts at some point. I'm sure it was just, you know, to make things easier back then so they don't have to pay for new assets and stuff, you know? Well, I mean, they already have the copyright. I mean, it'd be more pain for like, you know, you know, voice actors or whatever. Yes, yes. I just mean like animate, like they can just use the same animation cells over and over again if they want. Yeah, but <laughs> you know? I don't know. <laughs> the X-Men to me is always like a giant fucking team. So, it, no, I understand. No, I guess I was a greedy kid. And, I, and still am. Uh, we also got our first look for Spider-Man Freshman Year, which is set to debut in 2024. Uh, apparently, it's supposed to be taking place before the events of Civil War, uh, but it's not in canon with uh, the MCU. So, I don't know. I thought that was kind of disappointing. Uh, Charlie Cox is going to be reprising his role as Daredevil, of course, because <laughs> okay. he's in every you know Marvel series now. Uh, but He's collecting those checks, hey man. I mean, fans <laughs> complained, and Kevin Foggy, you know, gave them what they wanted. He's like, I'll give you Charlie Cox everywhere. Uh, but yeah, no, he's going to be voicing Daredevil. I guess he's going to be playing kind of a mentor to Peter. Uh, we're going to see some classic villains like Dr. Octopus. Uh, Harry Osborn is going to be part of the series too, as one of Peter's friends. Uh, so it's way out of canon with the MCU, but it, the animation looks great, so I'll definitely watch it when it you know premieres. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Hey you, got bush? Well, you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you'll have the best kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NerdShow for 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high oh, and tight. Yeah. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin safe technology. No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the pattern high performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So listeners get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right. So make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com by 
by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. All right, so moving on to the DC front, uh, we really didn't get much, which, I mean, I was kind of surprised by. Uh, we got two trailers, uh, one for, you know, Black Adam, which would be our second trailer. And we also got a trailer for, which I think it's the first trailer, right? For uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Come on! Now let's get down to business. Business, Listen business. to me, Billy. The fate of your world depends on it. The daughters of Atlas are coming for you. Children stole the power of all the gods. Shazam! This is very personal, Billy. Sorry, Christian, right up front, I have a confession. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen the Shazam film all the way through. So I'm going to let you go ahead and lead the way here. Because <laughs> I have no clue what the hell is going on. I mean, I know the comics, but, you know. I will say I went to that first one with some low expectations. I, I didn't have any interest in the film based off the trailers and stuff. So I... I, I get where some people might not have wanted to go see it. The bits and pieces I've seen on TV have been entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more of a case of me not getting around to watching it. You gotcha. know? It seems like a fun film that I probably would enjoy once I sit down with it, but it's just making time to sit down with it. It's not like odd, like it's not the top of my priority list. I definitely think it, it was underrated, but what was more surprising about it was just how dark it actually got for this like you know film that was very much marketed as like you know the more kid-friendly superhero i remember you saying that because it really felt from the trailers this was like you know tom hanks and big you know meets yeah. the dc universe <laughs> exactly but picking up with this trailer it, it kind of seems like we're in that same boat where billy's kind of in over his head still um he's working with his family who all now has superpowers at this point which wow. might cause a bit of a clusterfuck in this if they don't get it right if they have all these characters just running around but that's a lot of storylines to mm-hmm. look after but i mean we've seen other team up you know films i mean d- d- do you think this is going to be like a team-up movie i think it's going to f- still focus mostly on him because he is i mean he is the big star of all of this okay but i am worried that they're not going to give enough time to these other characters because i mean they barely i mean they got to be superheroes in the last act of okay. the first film so they didn't even get like you know big moments we didn't get to spend too minute too much time with them in the first film now this time we are getting two main villains um in the daughters of atlas helen mirren and lucy Liu are playing hespera and calypso um helen mirren looks intimidating i don't we don't barely get anything from lucy Liu from his trailer uh it, it's mostly just playing for gags with uh billy you know still just being you know way too in over his head you know that's just kind of the gist of the entire trailer yeah i mean it feels very similar to those first uh shazam trailers that we got exactly i will say the cgi definitely looks like it's improved from the first film there's uh the like especially the fact that they're going to be fighting a giant dragon at some point oh, it definitely right. looks a little bit sharper <laughs> in this one he's got that line about punching the dragon which was pretty uh-huh. fucking awesome <laughs> I mean, that's how I'd react to it now if I got to punch a dragon. So, I mean, I get There's it. There's even a moment where it looks like the foster parents might get superpowers in this. So I'm a little a little worried about all that, but I think it'll still be fun. So the wizard grants the entire family in the last act of the, the first film. Just the kids. And that's uh, those those aren't actually his relatives, right? Those that's like a, a foster like. Yeah, it's group? like a foster home. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. the foster. Home. OK, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. 
All right. So maybe the wizard grants his, you know, foster parents. I powers, guess. I guess. But how many heroes do they need in in what story? <laughs> Depends on how many dragons they're going up against, right? I guess. <laughs> now remind me, Christian. Did the Justice League pop up? Like, did anyone? else from the dceu like pop up in shazam they had like a like back shot of someone playing superman but no one i mean he wasn't actually there you okay know? gotcha gotcha uh -huh. do you think it'll be more of the same or do we get henry cavill in the suit this time around i feel like it'll be the way that peacemaker was you know i feel like if anything someone shows up at the end for like two seconds now again. well now in peacemaker we actually got a couple actual like justice league members there you know, briefly, but then, mm -hmm. you know, so you're saying, oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying that they, if they do the story. Yeah, yeah. It'll just be like a brief <laughs> cameo that doesn't uh -huh. have effect on anything. Okay. Gotcha. But other than that, I, I don't know the way that they, cut, they cut it together. I didn't, I wasn't laughing at any of the jokes. It didn't, the trailer didn't do too much for me. So maybe, and, uh, like I said, the first trailers didn't do too much and I did enjoy the first film. So I, I'm going in still kind of optimistic and I, I will check it out when it comes out. When does this come out again? This is coming to theaters on Christmas. A gift for you and me. Or just you. <laughs> Unless I see the first film and I love it. And then I'm like, uh -huh. you know, first in line for tickets opening day. <laughs> Which might happen. My powers are not a gift. But a curse. Born out of rage. I don't know how you felt about this trailer, but it just kind of felt like, I don't know, more of the same of what we got in the first trailer initially. I mean, maybe a little more Justice Society this time around, which I was totally fine with because I, I think it looks great. And I think the character mm -hmm. designs look fantastic. Um, I love Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. Um, but otherwise, I mean, this was more action orientated, maybe uh, a little less story. Uh you know, I mean, it's, it seems like Black Adam's arc is going to be whether or not he chooses to save the world. And that's what brings him in odds with the Justice Society. Yeah, I mean, it, it I mean, it did feel almost like a carbon copy from what we got the first time around, just without a little bit of like the human, you know, running around in the beginning. Yeah, the human element and like kind of yeah. the origin story. Right. Um, I, I still love him punching the jet, though. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's funny because it's so easy to just bang. It's an amazing moment. <laughs> I, I will say I dig the effects. I feel like this is one of the better the better like effects use that we've seen in the DC film so far. No, I agree. I agree 100 percent. Do we know who the villain is in this in this film? No, not really. I mean, they've been mostly just playing on the rock, possibly being the villain in his own story. But we all know. It's probably going to be, you know, one of those uh, like Fast and Furious moments yeah. where I mean, Black you know, Adam's a, a tweener character kind of uh -huh. in the DC, you know, comics. But yeah, no, there's no way he's the villain. Of this film. I'm sure he'll have his moments, but you know, at the end of the day, he's gonna he's gonna choose the heroic route. You gotta believe, right? I'm sure there's gonna be some you know shadowy figure that comes up near by the end that's been you know pulling all the strings of everyone that he just gets revenge on someone who like caught whoever caused the death of his son is going to pay right yeah like, that's just how it's going to play out no absolutely absolutely because there is definitely a lot of like backstory footage that we're getting in both of these trailers mm -hmm. so i'm wondering like how much origin story we get 
um, in this film? Like, is it going to be like the first act or is it just going to be done in flashbacks? It should be interesting. Like, I wouldn't mind if they gave us, you know, a good like half hour, 40 minutes of origin story, get us really like invested in the character. Um, but then again, I mean, it is the superhero genre, so they're not going to stay away from giant action sequences for long. So, but I mean, maybe that's part of his, you know, backstory. I'm definitely not like a, a Black Adam expert by any means, so. Me neither. I just, you know, always see people comparing him to Superman, so. Yeah, I mean, power-wise, they definitely, you know, match up to a certain extent. Character-wise, though, he always reminded me a lot of Namor over on the other side of the fence with Marvel, um, mm-hmm. you know, who's also this kind of like tweener character where you never know where he's going to land at the end of the day. He's always unpredictable and has his own kind of agenda. But anyway, I thought this trailer looked great. It didn't really bring anything new to the table, but I'm still excited for the film. Uh, it comes out October 22nd, Christian? Uh, October 21st. 21st, I apologize. <laughs> But quickly, before we move on, uh, some big news DC-wise broke after San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, apparently, uh, Ben Affleck will be reprising his role as Batman in the upcoming Aquaman sequel. It's just a glutton for punishment, isn't he? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says all those negative things and Bailey comes back. <laughs> I mean, he's in the Flash film. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, why not do Aquaman also? It just—it is weird because he did say he was retiring for the character, but now he's been in how many? Because he did reshoots also for uh, Snyder's Justice League, right? Yes. So I feel like if they, you know, twist his arm enough, they could probably get him back for like his own Batman solo film. Um, because who the fuck doesn't want to be Batman, right? Exactly. Who wouldn't want to be Batman? Uh, but no, I, I'll be interested to see exactly how that story plays out. Uh, I'm sure you're not, since you probably won't be seeing, you know, the sequel to Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> since I'm the only one here who actually enjoyed the film. Uh, but I don't know. I, I really did enjoy the movie. Uh, I'm surprised that we didn't get any footage for it uh, at San Diego. And honestly, like if they really wanted to create a buzz, they would have made the announcement that, you know, you know, Ben was part of the film. That would have been huge. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I know it, I guess it kind of leaked. I think uh, Jason, you know, spoiled it in a Instagram post or something. I don't know if you saw the story, Christian. Yeah, no, he, he straight up posted like, hey, my buddy stopped by the studio today. He's, you know, to be part of this. It's yeah, not, that's like what the it looked secret, like. I, he said like the secret's out, I guess like on uh, one of the lot tours everyone saw ben oh, okay. i don't know if he was in like the costume or something but you know jason went ahead and leaked it unless you know it's something that was planned and they wanted it to get out there i could see uh, that too a joker situation where like almost every scene was photographed and apparently the right internet. Uh-huh. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, that's got, you know, DC fans excited. So mm-hmm, exactly. it just feels like something you'd want to share at Comic-Con and, you know, at least, you know, get some buzz going. But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. With the film coming out in March, though, do you feel like this is just a cameo appearance? Or do you think it's actually like, you know, someone that's going to be at least helping Aquaman in some way? I have no clue. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a cameo. Um, but who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, Ben is all over the film and 
that's not a bad thing. So I, I know he's supposed to be a pretty big part of the Flash film. Which, I mean, once again, we didn't get any Flash footage either. But no. I can see them being a little timid about that with all the controversy um, surrounding Ezra right now. Because there's no word on, like, a DC fandom for 2022, no. right? Exactly. Yeah, I guess we'll find out about more DC news, hopefully, in the upcoming months. Yeah, and that does it for our San Diego Comic-Con coverage. Uh, let's talk some movies. That's right. Damon, you saw a movie this week. I sure did. I saw Jordan Peele's Nope. Warning spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for Nope ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. This would be an opportunity. I'm talking rich and famous for life. There's plenty of videos for flying shit online. Ain't nobody gonna get what we gonna get. What we gonna get? The money shot. What's up? Undeniable truth with aliens on camera. The Oprah shot. You guys gonna tell me what's going on? Hell no. The residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. This was written and directed by Jordan Peele and stars Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. So this week, I'm not going to go hard on spoilers because like all of Jordan Peele's films, Nope is something that should be experienced for yourself. You don't need some idiot like me ruining things for you. But with that being said, Nope is the third offering from the talented director. And after two amazing films, I was really looking forward to seeing if Peele could possibly keep his streak going. And while Nope might not be my favorite of his work so far, I'm still happy to report that it's a god damn good movie. So a brother and a sister are left running their father's Hollywood horse ranch after his untimely death. Struggling to keep things afloat, they notice something horrifying in the clouds above them. So Nope is Peele's most ambitious film yet. He really stretches his wings as an artist, giving us a film that echoes everyone from Spielberg to M. Night, two directors who both have a strong history in this genre. As the characters unravel the mystery of what the hell's going on, Peele's able to capture that palpable, eerie vibe a key ingredient hallmark in both aforementioned director's work. But don't get me wrong, this isn't like a derivative cover of someone else's greatest hits. What Peele does is inject his own style of storytelling into the premise and leaving the message open to your interpretation. I mean, there are numerous themes running through this film. One seems to be the voyeuristic nature of our society when it comes to spectacle and tragedy and how we process and deal with it as a collective, uh, but you might see something completely different and that's okay. Uh, and speaking of which, Nope is all about the spectacle, beautifully shot, especially the scenes at night. Uh, the cinematography is just next level. Peele has demonstrated over his last two films his ability to build suspense to a Hitchcockian level, and Nope is no different, but where the film deviates is its foray into pulse-pounding action sequences especially in the third act. The structure of these scenes are incredibly nuanced and just makes them so gripping. But with that being said, I do feel like the whole movie is really carried by the performances of Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya, who feel incredibly real 
and have great on-screen chemistry together. I think my one major critique is that the film does feel like it slows down a bit in the second act. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I wasn't bored, but it did start to feel like it was starting to lag a little. And that might be due to the stoic nature of Daniel Kaluuya's character, who doesn't have tons of dialogue, or it just might be my anticipation for the other shoe dropping story-wise. But once the third act starts, that all gets washed away, and you better be ready to strap yourself in for one hell of a ride. So, with all that being said and done, Nope is another great entry into Jordan Peele's short but pretty fucking amazing directorial career. Uh, so, I'm going to go ahead and give it a B plus, and I highly recommend checking it out. Nope is now playing in a theater near you. Well, Christian, you also saw a film this week. That's right, I saw Netflix's The Gray Man. Warning spoiler alert. Minor spoilers for the gray man ahead. You have been warned. They have something they really want. What's your gut? It's gonna be my funeral you're going to next. You wanna make an omelet? You gotta kill some people. You must be Lloyd. What gave it away? The trash dash. It just, it leans Lloyd. When the CIA's most skilled operative, whose true identity is known to none, accidentally uncovers an agency's secret, a psychopathic former colleague puts a bounty on his head, setting off a global manhunt by international assassins. Gray Man's directed by the Russo brothers and stars Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, and Anna Diarmas. This somewhat ridiculous action flick from the Russos does well to fit in that kind of super spy genre, with you know its non-stop action and fun performances coming from its cast. However, its biggest drawback is kind of its you know lack of ingenuity and predictable plot that may read more like an action video game than you know a thrilling spy flick. The film focuses around a set of you know sensitive data stored on a micro SD card in which our main character Six, as played by Ryan Gosling, is sent to recover. Six is a part of a program that enlisted criminals in a similar fashion to how Suicide Squad works to do, you know, the dirty work for the US government. When Six finds out, you know, the target he was sent after was also a member of this program, he kind of then takes things into his own hands and takes the incriminating data and goes on the run, leading, of course, to Chris Evans' character Lloyd Hansen being brought in to hunt him down. Which of course leads to a worldwide chase with destruction coming everywhere they go. I mean seriously, these cities become absolute bullet sponges wherever Six and Lloyd are. And while the, the amount of damage does get ridiculous at times, it's still at least addressed by other characters who are scolding them for their recklessness throughout the film. Unlike the things you would see out of the Fast and Furious franchise where everyone just kind of shrugs off the damage and or crazy stunts that they do. Gosling's cool, calm, collected act versus, you know, Evan's psychotic jackass made for some really great scenes. As both performances were easy to like, these two had some great chemistry on screen. This film also stars Anna Armis, who continues to shine in this kind of side character to a Bond-like role, and as I've said in the past, will probably make a great lead of her own action flick in the future. Jessica Henwick is also in this, but I feel like she was very underutilized, especially knowing what she is capable of from you know shows like Iron Fist. And then there's our other antagonist, Carmichael, as played by Reggie Jean Paul, who was probably on the more forgettable side of this film, because since everything's really you know drawn around Lloyd and Six's conflict, but Jean Paul did a great job of being this kind of snarky asshole character. 
But as I said up top, this movie won't do anything to really surprise you. If you're into a Bond or even Jason Bourne-like film, you will enjoy this movie's pace and action, as that's mostly what you come for. But both of those films I just mentioned still have a little bit more weight to them in their stories, especially if you compare this film to like No Time to Die. This one definitely had a more straightforward vibe, kind of similar to John Wick, but maybe with a little bit less action. And speaking of action, there were definitely some moments where I can say it was a little bit too jump cutty for me but no fight was any less than what you would you know come to expect from your typical ground level marvel character project you know i still got the vibe that these two were actually there fighting one another and not cutting away to every stunt actor or people replacing them on a constant basis like there wasn't any attempt to hide who was throwing the punch there was light use of cgi in this film not too much to really notice um, i would say it's not the most polished cgi but it's still at the same time didn't really detract from the film. And as we've seen in the past, the Russo brothers know how to make a beautiful scene and the cinematography in this one is definitely out of this world as well. I mean, when they go from each location, you're getting these beautiful scenic views of all these great cities. The film does feel like it's trying to build to a kind of franchise off of this hero and you can't blame Netflix for wanting to you know, do this. And I can say I would sit down for more of this franchise. And this is nothing against Chris Evans' performance or the character of Lloyd. I just feel like like a more menacing and more you know prominent villain could possibly be a better counterpart to a character like six where he's trying to stay cool and stuff but you have this villain who's actually going to break him down and make him show emotion and stuff like that and really make you feel like he's in some kind of danger because in this film i mean he keeps it cool for 99% of it and you don't really feel like he's going to you know fail at his mission so if you get someone a little bit more sinister someone who's really going to actually attack him and make it feel like our character is you know more vulnerable that will make for a much better you know sequel but either way this still was a solid start to whatever they're trying to do with this if they do continue to make more of these so I'm going to be giving Gray Man a B and now it's time for Christian's Corner this past weekend gaming was definitely overshadowed by STCC, but we did learn a couple things about anticipated titles. First up, some bad news for Knights of the Old Republic fans as Bloomberg reports the upcoming remake is indefinitely delayed after Aspire fired the game's art director and design director. Aspire, you know, would speak to the company saying that, you know, the game's development is paused and they are looking for new contracts and development opportunities for the title. It's been reported that the developers were excited about the work that they had already done for the game and, you know, had presented a demo for Sony and Lucasfilm to check out but apparently that wasn't up to par as Aspire just said that this was not the direction we wanted to go in. This was originally set to release this year, but now there is a new projected window for 2025. It sucks to think how much work was probably, you know, just scrapped, but at least we know they're still dedicated to making this remake. Knights of the Old Republic is high on a lot of people's all-time games list, and it would be a shame to do it a disservice. So hopefully this was all done for the right reasons and more time was needed for the game. Another bit of gaming news that came from Bloomberg was about GTA 6, as Bloomberg claims Rockstar is trying to clean up their act a bit 
bit while also producing their first female protagonist in the franchise. She will be of Latin descent and part of a Bonnie and Clyde type story as she joins another protagonist similar to how you know we experience the three main characters of GTA 5. The game will be based in Vice City once more and said to have a large map that will be added onto over time as it seems they want the player to be able to travel to South America areas as well. The current plan is to release the base map and then continue adding missions and areas after the release, which in the way that Bloomberg is stating all this, it makes it a little weird. Like it seems you know, concerning to me because it sounds like the game will come out without the full story being finished. But I could just be reading into it too much. You know, perhaps, you know, they're just gonna have an evolving story that's outside Vice City's, you know, Miami-based world that they plan to keep, you know, players coming back to. I would just hope that this isn't, you know, their plan to make the main game, you know, a game service kind of in a similar fashion that they have with GTA Online. Though with them being willing to continue adding to the map, like, you know, many had hoped in the past, I could see them creating, you know, the ability to go to other cities in GTA Online, as that was a highly requested and expected ability for that feature, and something that Rockstar has seen the modders attempting to do over and over again and has been shutting down on their own. Perhaps Rockstar wants to do it officially their own way. But either way, still no word on a release, but perhaps an announcement is on its way, especially with these little news stories coming out about GTA 6 every few months now at this point. I'm sure we'll get an idea of their timeline by next year. But either way, if you guys enjoy gaming, make sure to check us out on Twitch as we play a lot of the games that we talk about here on the channel. Um, currently, we're playing um, Elden Ring. We're playing fucking Bioshock. We're playing... Um, a an Xbox 360 game, Wet, Horizon Zero Dawn, which we're going to go right into um, Horizon Forbidden West right afterwards. We're probably playing way too much, but I enjoy doing this. I have ADHD. It's you know something I like to do is just play a ton of games all at once. So definitely make sure you check out our Twitch channel when you get an opportunity. We go live every single Wednesday through Sunday. Catch us on Twitter at AmazingNerdLive to catch any updates or what's going on with our schedule with the Twitch side of things. But all right, now let's move on to wrestling. That makes me sick in my stomach. Every time I look at you guys, it makes me sick to think what you did to me, holding me back. You guys talk about being students of the game. I am the game, JR. All right, Christian, what a crazy fucking week. Um, so there was a seismic shift in the wrestling world this past week. Uh, Vince McMahon, quote unquote, retired from WWE in a tweet and missed, you know, ongoing investigations into his conduct and other things. Uh, allegedly, uh, once the investigation went to the federal level, the pressure just became too much for the Teflon Don and he finally chose to step aside. Um, there has been speculation that there could even be more damning information being unearthed, uh, but that's just speculations, you know, by various sources at this point. Um, I never thought we would see the day where, you know, Vince wouldn't be the head of, you know, WWE, uh, but I guess he has, you know, gone through his nine lives and, you know, his time's up, uh, in the meantime, uh, this obviously caused quite the shakeup when it comes to WWE's power structure. Uh, now on top, we have Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan as co-CEOs. Uh, Stephanie will also be holding the title of chairwoman of the board. Uh, Triple H is now executive vice president of talent relations. And this is the big one. He's also head of creative. 
So it does feel like we're on the cusp of a new era, you know, in WWE. I mean, Hunter definitely has a different philosophy on wrestling and, you know, to back that up. I mean, all you have to do really to look for evidence is, you know, watch all the NXT shows that he was in charge of. I mean, (laughs) there are multiple examples also of wrestlers who flourished with Hunter only to crash a bird with Vince, Mm -hmm. like once they made the main roster. Now, it might also be a case of Hunter believing, you know, he had more freedom on a third brand to really do what he needed to do to get the guys over. And he wouldn't necessarily take the same approach, you know, of booking them that way on the main roster. But at the same time, he's not going to push guys that he doesn't believe are stars, you know, on his show. And that can be stars, you know, on Raw and SmackDown. So while it might actually take some time, I do feel like the product is going to eventually change for the better. Um, How much better? I have no clue. I mean, Triple H has really sat underneath Vince's learning tree for a real long time. (laughs) So I'm sure we're going to see some examples of, you know, Vince's, you know, philosophy, if you will, leaking through. But I got to believe there are definitely things that he would do differently and will do differently. Uh, And once again, all you have to do is just go by the talent that he chose to push compared to, you know, what Vince thought, you know, a WWE superstar should be. Um, I don't know. Christian thoughts. I mean, if you take some of Vince's philosophies and you bring it back to the, you know, golden era of uh, NXT and you see how Triple H was running that. Imagine that now with the full power of this roster. I mean, I feel like Triple H could really start building and creating a roster filled with stars that could potentially bring back a lot of this audience that has left WWE for AEW at this point. Wouldn't it be hilarious if we turn on Raw on Monday and everything's just black and gold? (laughs) Oh, it would be hysterical. (laughs) Which I also think will be best for the wrestling business in general. I mean, if you get people, you know, now leaving AEW to focus more on WWE, that pushes Tony now to now put on his best possible show every week. I think just I'm excited by the concept of more competition, even on that level as well. Yeah. And I mean, when we say more competition, we mean for like the hardcore fans eyes, obviously. Yes. Mm Because like casual fans, you know, WWE, you know, has the leg up on AEW. So, like, besides, you know, you know, the WrestleMania after Cody jumped, Mm -hmm. I haven't watched Raw and SmackDown willingly for at least over a year, if not longer. So I'm definitely a WWE lapsed fan. I mean, yeah, we cover some pay-per-views here and there, and I'll watch the bigger pay-per-views. But even, like, the smaller, I guess, what do they call them now? Premium live events or something? Yeah, (laughs) like they're pretty much skippable for me, you know, Um, you know, I'll watch them once in a while um, just to see what the hell's going on. Uh, But that's really it. And that's more for the show, honestly. Um, You know, and we haven't even been covering WWE on a regular basis for years at this point. You know, I'm in a longer boat. I was I haven't been watching it since we pretty much started this podcast. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were covering. We were covering. We were covering it, but I, I I'm just saying. Like, oh I well, fell yeah. Off no, no. There quickly. was a there was a while where <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty much doing the raw rundowns and everything. Uh-huh. 
Um, you know, and I, I don't blame you, honestly. So and that it was a much better product than it is now, you know, five years ago. Jesus Christ. Now it's it's barely watchable. Um, but hopefully that all changes. You know, I'm excited for the future of WWE, but I'm a sucker, you know, and an optimist uh, when you get down to it. Like I grew up a WWE fan like. I never wanted to turn away from the product. There was a time where if you needed to find me on a Monday, you knew exactly where to look, you know, in front of my TV watching Raw. Like, I did not miss an episode of Raw for over a decade, probably. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure, one or two here and there. But really, I mean, you can ask my wife. I did not miss Raw. Now, over the last decade, it started becoming like increasingly difficult for me <laughs> to continue to watch the product, the support the way I was, um, you know, and I was I was pretty much looking for an alternative. Uh, but, you know, it, you know, it, it got to the point where over, you know, really the last three years, I've been a lapsed fan um, when it you know comes to WWE. But I feel like there's something salvageable there, you know, like they've got such a talented roster, um, you know, and no one puts on a big show like WWE. They've got the lineage and everything like that, where it would be very easy for, you know, them to hook me as a fan again. And that doesn't mean like I won't be watching AEW also. Like I, it, for mm. me, it's not a tribal situation because as a fan in the late nineties of wrestling, like the heyday, um, uh, me and my friends, we would watch everything. You know, it wasn't a, a case of us like planning our flag for just one company. Like I watched ECW, I watched WCW, and I watched WWE, and I wanted them all to be good. Mm -hmm. And there were different aspects where you know they you know all thrived. You know because I was a fan. Like I wouldn't watch them if they sucked. <laughs> Trust me. Um, you know, and like like you said, competition makes these, you know, shows flourish. Um, the problem was, is once WCW went out of business, really the only thing WWE had to go up against was, you know, TNA. And while there are some great things TNA did, there were no competition at all. And there was never a point that WWE even like, you know, considered them a threat. Hmm. So, you know, they really have the wrestling world to themselves. But anyway, Christian, what would Triple H need to do to win you back as a fan? I mean, I feel like the easiest route would, you know, to make these storylines matter. Like, there's a payoff to every fucking storyline. And we, you know, start to boost up these, you know, mid-carters to upper mid-carter, like people. And I feel like the easiest way to do that is to make those you know minor titles actually start to matter again. We bring the IC title back into the picture and the US title and make them actually fucking matter on television once more. Yeah, I mean consistency, right? In story, yeah, you know, exactly. storytelling. Um you can't have angles just dropped, you know, midway through. Um and then also like give everyone a reason to be on the show. You know, you have to, like, if you're wrestling on the show, you need to have your own storyline. I mean, that's something that actually Vince Russo did well back in the late 90s. I mean, his biggest strength was everyone who was on that show featured on Raw and SmackDown 
all had a reason to be there. They had their own personal storylines and you got to know each character. Nowadays, that's like you'll go, you know, weeks without seeing a certain wrestler. And then they're just like when they are on, they're just like thrown in some random match. Exactly. They're just smiling in the back with no motivation and no drive to do anything. And it's, it's like, why am I? Why should I root for this character if they don't yeah. give me a weekly motivation for why they're here? Exactly. And I mean, and for me, like, it's hard for me to invest in your storylines. Like, if you're not invested, like, if I mm-hmm. know that, like, this storyline could just be dropped at any moment, why should I fucking care? Um, that was a huge problem that started about five years ago with Vince. Um, you know, and we heard so many different stories of Vince just, like, ripping up scripts like moments before raw like goes on the air yeah. uh, you know or just getting like bored with wrestlers that he just started to push we joke about this but it really seemed like there was like this three-week window for like you know nxt call-ups to get over and then like you know vince would just like if it didn't happen like with like you know carrying cross or you know keith mm-hmm. lee he would get frustrated and they would just disappear or you know he would try to repackage them with some ridiculous gimmick like he made carrying cross a fucking gladiator all of a sudden like he found yeah. farouk's old gear and tried to put it on him um you know uh, keith lee became bear cat or something, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> it was forced to growl in the middle of the rig. Oh, God, it was horrible. There just seemed to be such a disconnect between what NXT was doing and what the main roster was doing, you know, and what Vince's vision of what he wanted to see in a superstar was compared to, you know, Triple H's vision. And it was so ass backwards because you would think that, you know, Vince would have a big say on who Triple H was recruiting and like who he was pushing, Um, especially like in the main event picture, because, you know, obviously that would be someone, you know, that Vince would want to call up eventually and, you know, push as a superstar on his brand. But it really felt like Vince was still treating NXT, even though they kind of branded it as a third brand um as a developmental territory to the point of you know it feels like nxt got over in spite of itself Mm -hmm. you know in spite of well at least not itself but in spite of vince (laughs) you know like all of a sudden vince was caught off guard by nxt being as huge as it you know was and he just had to begrudgingly go along with it because you remember that rumble that like nxt like went over huge in yeah and uh-huh. then that uh, that Survivor <laughs> Series where I think they actually won, right? Yeah, it was it was the three separate teams, and they beat both brands. <laughs> and it felt like NXT finally arrived, and then like next year they weren't even Gone. part of either event. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it there definitely was a disconnect. I mean, hopefully Triple H just abolishes NXT 2.0, and we can go back to what his vision was, you know, for that brand. Um, and I know they've spent a lot of money on marketing and shit like that. So they're probably not going to get rid of the splatter paint or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you can go back to pushing people who are ready to wrestle. Because right now, it's really all about looks on that brand. And there's a lot of wrestlers who have no business being in the ring right now, um, which is unfortunate. And it's not their fault, obviously. But, you know, they're more in line, you know, for being uh, in a, like, developmental territory. 
where they're working on the craft and getting better. And yeah, it's great to be at TV, but you know, put that shit on cable access, you know, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, where you're getting reps in and shit like that. And maybe you call them up to NXT, you know, to be with, you know, wrestlers who are ready to break big, you know, to get that seasoning. Um, but right now, I mean, I, I find NXT 2.0 completely unwatchable. So um, it's honestly some of the worst wrestling I've seen in the ring in a long time. Um, you know, and I think part of it, the fact that it's like a televised program on cable, like <laughs> it's something you would expect from, you know, like a small indie promotion that you catch late at night at like three o'clock in the morning on, you know, a cable access channel. Like in my eyes, NXT should be finishing school. You know, it should be like, okay, you've arrived you're ready to go. You just need a few tweaks here and there, you know, you know, do what Triple H was doing, where it's like, I'm teaching you like composure in the ring. Mm. You know, I'm teaching you like how to walk down the fucking ramp, you know, even though I thought, you know, it got a little ridiculous after a while with all the choreography and everything <laughs> like that. Oh um, God, are all the main roster stars going to have like 10 minute intros now? I don't know, man. <laughs> I hope they had better music though. Oh, I, I will say NXT had a lot better fucking entrance music than, you know, the main roster does. Right now, it feels like, you know, glorified library music. It's it's fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know anyone's theme song, at, in the you know, at the moment. But let's talk about the main roster. I, I hope that weird rigidness goes away from the product, um, where it feels like everyone's so, like, scared to fuck up. You know, especially like during their promos and you've got all mm, that weird yeah. like WWE like corporate like verbiage, you know, coming out of everyone's mouths from your talent to your announcers. And we already saw a little change on SmackDown this past week. Like Michael Cole actually like referred to the audience as fans instead of like the WWE universe universe <laughs> and it's crazy like everyone picked up on it right away uh-huh right away <laughs> but that's how bad it's gotten uh-huh you know Vince always had his quirks over the years but like the last decade it's gotten insane Cole must feel like a free man now just <laughs> at that booth yeah I mean hopefully there isn't someone yelling in his ear uh-huh you know every show. Um, I don't see Triple H being that guy. I could be wrong, but I mean, it doesn't feel like Triple H is going to micromanage like Vince, you know, has. And I will say this, like, I don't want anyone to lose their job, but I would definitely celebrate if Kevin Dunn chose to retire. (laughs) (laughs) I watched this past week in the first time in a long time besides, you know, pay-per-views and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and the 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 first raw that cody was on the camera cuts man holy shit they're just out of control (laughs) like i was getting motion sickness it's insane i mean Mm -hmm. don does like a hard cut on any sign of impact Mm-hmm. And it's just nauseating. It's like, what's going on? To the point where it takes away from the action because you can't tell what the fuck's going on. Like, I, I felt like I was going to get whiplash watching this shit. Well, especially in those quick moments where it's, you know, a big back and forth and it's just nonstop cuts. Yes. Any sequence that they do, it just, you will get dizzy. And these are some of the best wrestlers in the world. Like, they know mm-hmm. how to throw a fucking punch. 
Like, they wouldn't be on the main roster if they didn't know how to throw a fucking punch. Like, you don't need to do that kind of cut for fucking Asuka, right? Like, Uh that's absolutely absurd. You know, you're not helping the product. You're taking away from it. Um, And that's something also I feel like has gotten worse over the years. And I don't know if it really started when WWE went to HD, but that's the way it, it feels to me. Like, that was the harbinger of all this. Because, like, the product did change quite a bit when they made that transition. Um, and I, I think they were just scared that people would see behind the magic. Um, but, no. It, it, it may, honestly, like, it makes it worse. You know, because it, it feels like you're trying to hide something almost. And mm-hmm. rumor has it, I guess, Dunn has come out and said in the past that, you know, when McMahon retires, he would retire. So... I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> I don't want to keep a man to his word, but <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it just it wouldn't be a bad thing for the product. So I mean let these moments breathe a little, right? <laughs> but I think for me, like the number one thing Triple H would have to do to win me back as a fan would start to actually make new superstars, <laughs> you mm. know, push new talents. I mean, it feels like every, like, new wrestler who's actually over in that company is over in spite of the booking. And, like, no one, no one feels like a superstar right now besides, like, Roman and maybe Becky. And it's not their fault. They have an extremely talented roster. Um, But, my God, like, the 50-50 booking and all the stupid finishes just like doesn't allow any wrestler to get over truly in that company it feels like they haven't they haven't been able to book a, a true baby face in years i mean everyone like i said once again like you know wrestlers like daniel bryan and becky lynch they all got over in spite of the booking mm-hmm. um and I mean, it's so obvious because, I mean, they're leaning more than ever on like celebrities and wrestlers who are past their prime, you know, who are coming in just to do uh, a couple shots here and there, like Goldberg or, you know, I mean, Brock at least has been on the show more the past like year or mm-hmm. so. Um, but there was a while where we barely see Brock. Um you know, and like, but it was still a guarantee if he showed up, like he'd be in the main event, and that was it. And even the way, like, he's pushing Austin Theory, like, made no sense whatsoever. Like, ever since, like, he won Money in the Bank, uh, he's done nothing but get his ass kicked and lose matches. You know, like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Like, it's fine. I mean, Austin Theory is a really talented guy. And, like, if you take the shackles off of him, you know, and let him actually, like, wrestle and show his talent in the ring. Because right now, I mean, he's Chinlock McGee. Like, it's ridiculous. Because it's like, I I know what you can do. I watched NXT. Yeah. So I don't know what the <laughs> fuck this is. Um, but, you know, it, it feels like when he's wrestling, like, he's almost walking on eggshells. And hopefully that's something Hunter can do away with. And, I mean, Hunter does very much wrestle in that like cookie cutter wwe style um of like you know grab a hold and everything but he also knows that you've got to let wrestlers show what they can do once in a while in the ring so hopefully that rigidness in the ring 
you know, in that like, you know, WWE soft style, if you will, will go away <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it'll let like some of these guys do what they can do. You know, what got them there in the first place, you know, and, you know, to show off their skills. I mean, they took fucking Keith Lee and they tried to make him Mark Henry for some reason, you know, just because he was a big yeah. guy. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, that's not what got Keith Lee over. You know, that's not what made Keith Lee different. Like you're you're taking away what made him unique and, you know, made him a must watch. So, I mean, <laughs> hopefully that goes away. But yeah, I mean, number one for me is actually like pushing younger talent and making new stars, which is easier said than done, but it can be done. Triple H did it a whole lot on NXT. Yeah. So hopefully that transitions on the main roster. Um, do you think he rehires some people that, you know, got cut while he was gone? Can we see the return of like Karrion Cross? Um, could we see, you know, and I mean, Johnny didn't get fired. He walked away. Mm-hmm. But now that Triple H is, you know, in the big chair, if you will, do you think Johnny is more likely to sign with WWE, like resign with WWE? Well, especially with their you know sort of lack of baby faces right now, I could see them really picking up Gargano for the main roster if they wanted someone else that isn't like Cody right now, uh, who's you know out and injured. They uh, did let Champa actually cut like a decent promo this past week. Oh, okay. So I mean, hopefully he starts getting featured right now because he's just kind of like this like I don't know. It feels like he's kind of like just like. Uh, Miz's like whipping boy or sidekick for some reason, which I is don't a weird, want to hear that. A weird pairing, Champa <laughs> and Miz. He's just like doing his dirty work for some reason. It's unexplained. So oh. at least from what I've seen, I mean, like I said, I haven't been watching the products, you know, religiously. So, um, but just yeah. give Gorgano a title and then have Champa, you know, knee him in the back of the head. And it'll be back to, you know, business as always. Do you see <laughs> Sasha and Naomi returning? Oh, um, I've been seeing that a lot online. I don't know. Um, you know, it's it's definitely no longer under Vince's control. And I could see, you know, Naomi and uh, Sasha possibly returning. Mm-hmm. But I'm imagining, you know, there's probably going to be bids from every company that has a women's roster going after both of them. And I promise that we're going to tirade. But... <laughs> If you're Sasha, why in hell's name would you go to AEW <sighs> with the way that they book their women's division? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, right now you only get one women's match a week on Dynamite on their main mm-hmm. show. So, I mean, the reason why she walked away was because mm-hmm. of the booking of the women's division in WWE. And they have a whole lot more matches than AEW does. You know, I mean, yeah, they might not get as much time. And yeah, the tag titles were a fucking joke. But at least there was more than one fucking match a week. So unless Tony Khan could like come out and like, and maybe this would be good for the company. Maybe Sasha would push him to actually like, hey, no, we need to have, you know, much bigger segment. It can't always be the first quarter hour, the second hour. Like, you know, we need to have more time as a division. You know, we need to be featured. Um, you know, maybe that would bring her to the company, but otherwise I can't imagine her wanting to go if the real reason she left WWE was because of the way, you know, the women were being featured. I mean, I, I could definitely see it being a scenario where 
if she wanted to go to AEW, it's something that maybe she thinks she can help build and, you know, become like a leader in that kind of group. And we do know that she loves working with like Josie wrestlers and stuff like that. And that would give her also an opportunity to work with Japanese, you know, style and, wrestling I as mean, well. And Tony would give her a lot more freedom. Yeah, exactly. But once again, like how many like deja vu, you know, backstage interviews would she, you know, tolerate before she ends up walking out on AEW? Uh-huh. <laughs> Cause my God, I mean, it's a weekly occurrence now. You know, I was like, oh, here's Brid or Jade or, you know, Thunder Rosa sitting backstage. If anything, you know, with Tony is more likely to, you know, bend, you know, if if someone starts to complain on that level and, you know, it's a valid complaint. I could see Tony being like, yes, let's let's work on this and make it something better. Just two matches. Just give me. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like I want more than that. But, you know, if you give me like two matches on Dynamite, women's matches on Dynamite. Okay, you know, I feel like that's progress. But I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's so fucking cookie cutter at this point. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So and that it's it's unfortunate because I feel like a talent like Sasha they'll completely miss on because of that. You know, in my mind, Sasha's a game changer. So I wouldn't be surprised if Triple H, you know, reaches out to Sasha and tries to change her mind and, you know, makes guarantees that things are gonna be different. Um, because I do feel like Triple H does actually value the titles um you know because he is a wrestling purist so those belts do mean something to him you know even though like he had eric bischoff hang you know hand him a world title at one point um you know they they matter to him so um and you know i mean and sasha was one of his talents so i don't know i could see that happening you know i could see her being like a surprise entrance in like the royal rumble or something like that do you think Cody is terrified? No, Triple H is in charge. <laughs> Do you think he would be terrified? I feel like Cody and Triple H I, could work very well together. Uh, if they... they didn't have the best relationship. I mean, uh, in the past, in the company. If Triple H wants to pick at someone's ear that's been deep in AEW, I mean, why not? You know, try and work Cody a bit. Uh, I don't know. I mean, while Cody was in AEW, he talked a lot of shit. You know, yeah. I mean, literally broke the throne. Now, <laughs> since he's been back, you know, he's quote unquote confessed that he's a huge Triple H fan and that he's Triple H is his favorite wrestler in the world. He saw where things were going. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it feels like, right? It's like, did you know something, Cody? Because that was like, I mean, after his WrestleMania, like, you know, re-debut with the company. Like, he did numerous interviews talking about how, like, he had this great moment with Triple H on the bus before, you know, he made his grand entrance at at Mania. And kind of like how he's always looked up to Triple H and everything. So his approval means everything to him. Um, But that was when it seemed like Triple H was retiring, right? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And even though Triple H has a past of, you know, being petty and holding grudges i do feel like he'll do what's best for wwe um you know because i mean cody's so over right now as Mm -hmm. a baby face um and he could see you know that that's just money to be made right um but yeah no i also wouldn't be surprised if he just totally fucking buries him (laughs) 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 i mean it's doubtful but i mean (laughs) 
I still would have put it past him. So um, you at least give Seth a win. <laughs> I'll tell you that. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Regardless, with the new regime in charge, it, it does feel like a new day for WWE, no pun intended. And I truly hope that they're able to right the ship and make, you know, Mondays and Fridays appointment TV again for me. I mean, in my book, having too much wrestling to watch isn't a bad problem to have. And I hope that they can make, you know, Mondays and Fridays appointment TV again for me. Um, cause I've definitely been a laps fan over the last, you know, I don't know, four to three years. So, so when the product's better, we'll probably talk about it more here on the actual yeah, show. Yeah. We're at a holding pattern right now. It's, it's a, it's a wait to yeah. see type deal. So, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> cause that is a lot of wrestling to cover for the podcast though. I will say that uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> WWE might be a Patreon exclusive, you know, type deal. Oh, so, okay, okay. um, if there is ever a Patreon. <laughs> so yeah, join us next week as we discuss uh, apparently Jericho being the number one contender for the interim world championship title uh, and how scary of a proposition that could possibly be. Uh, apparently he's getting a title shot, not this coming week, but the week after that at uh, the quake at the lake. Um, apparently we're just naming cool. every dynamite something stupid. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like every week has to have a theme. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't feel like Quake at the Lake was a thing before, right? Like I, I didn't miss that. No. Okay. Uh, they had Bash at the Beach, but not Quake at the Lake. So. <laughs> oh, I forgot about Bash at the or was or they called it like Beach Bash or something? Because I feel like WWE would have that copywritten. So uh-huh, probably um, since that was WCW's, <laughs> uh, but apparently Jericho might end up being the Lionheart again for this match. Yes, oh, Moxley okay. demanded he wanted to wrestle the Lionheart, not this joke version of uh, you know Jericho, the sports entertainment version. Uh, he said those are his words. So we'll see if Jericho comes out to the bad like Pearl Jam even flow cover. Uh, like he used to in WCW and, you know, he's rocking the multicolor tights. Uh, you know, I'm all for, I mean, he's in good enough shape, really. So <laughs> he could pull it off, uh, you know, and, you know, you know, Jericho, he loves a good costume change. So uh-huh. as long as we don't have to see the pain maker again, anytime soon, I'm good. <laughs> so keep the mascara away from Jericho. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours to continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture. And whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Just like a bat. I dig it. <laughs>